Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, it's a little suspicious because when you read that Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them unto his mother, it really leads us to believe that, that Reuben was sent out by Leah to find those plants and to bring them to her, you know, which is another reason why this history of the people of God is seems something like we should be reading about this in the Journal of Clinical Psychology rather than the Bible, you know. <laughs> something very dysfunctional about this family here. So not only do the names reflect this intense family conflict, but the children now are being put in direct involvement in the fight between the sisters, So Reuben, he brings in these love narcotic mandrakes home to his mom. It's very interesting that how when a person is young, that the course of their life can be set in a wrong direction, especially in sexual perversion. And I was just talking to an Israeli friend of mine, and I won't tell you what he told me happened to him because he doesn't want it to be said. But let me just say this way, at the age of 14, his own mother set him in a course of sexual perversion. Well, this is what has happened to Reuben. And what happened to Reuben later in life? He raped one of his father's wives. So when Rachel saw that Leah had these love narcotic mandrakes here, we read what Rachel said in verse 14. when it says, And Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest, found mandrakes in the field, and brought them to his mother, Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. So for all of this history, we're seeing a war between Rachel and, uh, and Ra- Rachel and Leah, and they're waging this war through Jacob. Lucky man. <laughs> but we've not seen the warring parties, Rachel and Leah, speak directly to each other. Now they're speaking directly to each other for the first time. And this is a change that we're seeing here in verse 14. Because now for the first time, the warring sisters are speaking to each other. And Rachel's words to Leah about the mandrakes is Leah is saying, that's not fair. That's not fair for you to be the only one with those love narcotic mandrakes. He says, it's not fair. Give me some of those. Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. So now Leah has heard Rachel protest directly to her with her, that's not fair for you to be the only one who has that secret weapon of the narcotics here. And now Leah, now it's Leah's turn 
to speak for the first time directly to Rachel, which is what she does. And we read these words where in verse 15, and she said unto her, is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? Wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? See, so Leah has said, okay, okay. See, then Rachel goes on to say, therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. So, so then, so see, see, Leah says, okay, since you are talking about what's not fair, I'll tell you what's not fair. And she says, and she says in verse 15, thou hast taken my husband. That's not fair. So when Leah said to Rachel, thou hast taken my husband, we see that, that Leah views Jacob as what? Her husband. And, and even though Jacob never wanted to marry Leah. Uh, Jacob only married Leah because he was tricked into it. But nevertheless, Leah says, well, who cares about that? He's my husband. Leah sees Jacob as her husband. So when Leah says to Rachel, thou was taken my husband, Leah views Rachel as a thief who took Leah's husband, even though that's the one he wanted to marry. And when Leah said, thou hast taken my husband, Leah views Rachel as an adulteress who, who stole uh, Leah's husband right away from her. Okay? And when Leah, and so what Leah now jabs Rachel with these words, and she goes on in verse 15. So is it a small matter for you? Not a big deal that you have taken away my husband? So Leah is accusing Rachel of stealing her husband and not seeing anything wrong with it. And now Reuben had brought the mandrakes to Leah, but to make Rachel feel badly, Leah is now accusing Rachel of trying to take the mandrakes away from a little boy. <laughs> so Leah says to Rachel, thou hast taken my husband. Boy, there's the fights on now. Well, it's been on, but now it's really on. So when a man had more than one wife, then it was that each wife had their own tent. That was a good thing, other would be homicides. <laughs> and evidently, there's a ten of Leah and there's a ten of Rachel, and evidently Jacob has chosen to be in Rachel's tent, and that irritates Leah because Leah knows she's got no chance of having more children as long as Jacob goes into Rachel's tent. And Rachel knows that Leah would love for Jacob to come to Leah's tent instead of Rachel's tent. So Rachel makes this proposal to Leah and that's what we have here. And in essence, Rachel agrees to kick Jacob out of her bed and out of her tent if Leah would give Rachel some of those, those love narcotics. And so verse 15, we have Rachel said, therefore, he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. See? So Rachel has just made a deal with Leah that Jacob would lie with Leah for one night if Leah would give Rachel some of those love narcotics. And that's going to be used by both women to drug Jacob. <laughs> Jacob is going to be drugged. Jacob needs to be carrying that new test that's now on the internet, the test strip called the safe drink. And, and every time before he drinks something, he should put that on that strip and tell whether or not he's going to be drugged or not so he doesn't get the date rape. All right, well, so what's amazing in this history is that all of this accusing and proposing and deal making is being made over which Jacob, which bed Jacob's going to sleep in at night, and Jacob has no idea. <laughs> he is blissfully ignorant. 
All this furious bartering is going on over Jacob's life. And there's Jacob out in the field, completely oblivious to two women who are determining his life. That sounds familiar. No, anyway. So speaking of Jacob, here he comes in verse 16. Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah goes out to meet him and says, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. So now let's look at this situation from Jacob's point of view. I mean, verse 16 tells us, and Jacob came out of the field in the evening. I mean, here comes poor Jacob. He's dragging himself home at night from a hard day's work. Has he been working hard? Oh, yeah, you you bet he's been working hard, because if you just look at the next chapter, in verse 6, Jacob comments on how hard he's been working. When he's talking, he says in Genesis 31, 6, you know that with all my power I have served your father. See, by Jacob's own words, he says, I put all my power into working for Laban in the field. So he's coming home at night. He's just exhausted. He's poured out all his power during the day. What's he been doing all day out there in the field? Well, we look at the verses in this chapter. He just jumped down to verse 29 and 30. It tells us what he's doing all day. He said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, how thy cattle was with me, he said. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, he's speaking to Laban, and now increased unto a multitude. Yeah, that's what he's been doing out there in the field. He's just given us this job description for Jacob. He says, cattle with me, little, and then it becomes a multitude. Oh, okay. So he says he's been with the cattle all day. And well, what's he been doing with the cattle all day? What's he says? He says in verse 30, he says, I made an increase to a multitude. Oh, okay, Jacob, how do you do that? How do you make cattle increase into a multitude? You know, by breeding them, by breeding them all day long. All day long, I lead this bull into this cow, and I make them breed. All day long, I lead this buck into this doe and make them breed. All day long, I lead this ram into this ewe and I make them breed. And now having done that all day long, he comes home completely exhausted and we read, and Leah went out to meet him and said, thou must come in unto me. (laughs) So Jacob, having led bulls, bucks, and rams to cows, does, and ewes, and making them breed, now comes home exhausted and finds Leah leading him as the buck, herself as the doe, and make her breed, him breed with her. And then he hears these words in verse 16, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. So he's exhausted, he comes home, he's treated as a buck, being led by Leah to Leah to breed, and he hears some deal made about some love narcotics that's been found and evenly distributed between the two opponents who will be competing to drug him in the future. (laughs) This is how he's going to be treated in the future when he comes home. See, when, when Jacob gets this kind of a welcome home, we can understand why verse 16 says, and Jacob came out of the field in the evening. You know, with treatment like that, no wonder he just stayed out there till the evening. <laughs> a treatment like that, it's amazing that Jacob came home at all. Why didn't you stay out there all night with the animals? It would have been more peaceful. And what's amazing 
is when Jacob told them she had hired him with the narcotics to breed with her, it's amazing he doesn't turn around and go back to the animals and say, this is sanity is back there. This is insane. But what we read in verse 16 is this is poor, exhausted Jacob who's poured out all of his power. In verse 16, he lay with her that night. He says, I, can't, I don't have any more power. Can't argue. So the next morning, as Jacob left home, we can imagine him saying to himself, you know, this is the... Anyway, so we read in verse 17 that God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. So what we see in verse 17 is that caught in the middle of hatred and strife and jealousy and bitterness and drugs now, about the only thing missing, you know, it's sex, drugs, and you know, the only thing missing is rock and roll. So in the midst of all this, Leah is praying to God because it says in verse 17, God hearkened unto Leah. So in the midst of a real mess, she's praying to God for conception. What's amazing is that God answered her. God answered her and gave her a son. That's amazing, verse 17. Then in the middle of that mess, God hears Leah's prayer and makes her conceive, and she bears the fifth son. Now, in case that you think you've seen it all, <laughs> just wait. There's more. And you won't believe this name that Leah gives to the son when she names this son. I mean, you know, this is a, this is a real hold on to your hats verse 18. Leah said, God hath given me my hire because I've given my handmaid to my husband. She calls his name Issachar. So Leah says that when God gave a son to her, that God had given her the hire and she named the son Issachar, which means hire. So she should have been ashamed for using narcotics to hire Jacob for a night to lie with her. It was shameful what she did. But instead of being ashamed, she gives this name. She exalts it hire to Issachar, the son that was born for that night of hire. I mean, what has she done again to the name of this poor little boy? You know, hey, little fella, what's your name? You know, hire. Oh, that's a nice name. How'd you get that name? Well, you see, my mom sold narcotics to my aunt to hire my dad to lie with my mom for a night, and it was, that was the night I was conceived. <laughs> so, and the guy, you know, got one asking the question, would go home to his wife, says, don't let our kids play with those kids. <laughs> so that, that whole family needs therapy. But, and God has got to be shaking his head when he hears Leah say those things. But there's something even more strange when you look at verses 17 and 18. You see, in verse 17, God hears Leah, and Leah conceives and gives Jacob the fifth son. And that's wonderful. That's a time of celebration. That's just great. That's a time for Leah that she said, oh, Leah, we're so happy for you. You've been looking forward to that. That's great for you. You have a great future. You started to have children again. Wonderful. And then Issachar is, is, is Leah's son there. So, you know, with all that in view, why? Why in the world, in verse 18, does Leah do the strangest thing and talk about her maiden that bore children to Jacob? Why does she do that? I mean, Leah is in the spotlight. Leah is the new mother. Why is Leah at this time talking about her maid that bore children in the past to Jacob? I mean, at this point, when Leah has started her childbearing again, why is Leah looking back at her maid that told children to Jacob? Could it be 
Could it be that Leah is troubled? Is that possible? That she's troubled with that? Could it be that in the time of Leah's most profound happiness, that something in the past is troubling Leah, like I've given my maiden to my husband? See? Well, let's see. I want to see verse 17, which says she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. So that was a special crisis for Leah. See, when Leah conceived and had this son, this fifth son, that was a real crisis for Leah. Why? Because now she's got a problem. Leah has got a big problem. What's the, what, what, what's the problem? What's the crisis? The problem and the crisis is, how is Leah going to process now what she did in the past? See, At the end of, of chapter 29, when it says about her, like we said, that she left bearing, she didn't know, but it became obvious to her when she saw, as it says in this chapter, that she had stopped bearing, that she had finished having children on her own. And that was the reason why she resorted to giving her maid to her husband. She didn't want to give her maid to her husband. No wife wants to give another woman to her husband. Leah loved her husband. The last thing in the world that she wanted to do was put another woman in her husband's bed. But she only did that because she thought she was finished having children. But so now in verse 17, when it says she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son, Leah has found herself in a massive dilemma because she now sees clearly she didn't have to give her maid to her husband. She was actually ahead in the score already. Even at that point, it was four against two. So, I mean, she didn't have to, because she didn't know, but she was not finished having children. So Leah sees now that all she had to do after the birth of Judah was just wait, just wait, and she'll start having children again. But Leah jumps the gun and came to the conclusion, she thought her way through this, and she said, the only way I'm going to get more children to fight against my sister is if, if I give my maid to my husband. See? Now, this is a real problem for Leah. I mean, think about Leah. She's intensely jealous for her husband's undivided attention. Every night when Jacob drags himself and goes into Rachel's tent, Leah's heart is broken. Leah is tortured when she sees her husband in the arms of Rachel. Leah does not want her husband in the arms of any other woman. And Leah has been tortured by the fact that while trying to keep her husband out of the arms of that woman, who's Rachel, her sister, Leah has put another woman, her maid, into the arms of her husband. That was an impulsive decision for Leah, and it was made in the heat of the moment in order to fight against Rachel, who had just claimed victory in the fight with her to have more children. And ever since that happened, ever since Leah gave her maid to her husband, that's really tortured her. That's really bothered her. I mean, just look at how Leah describes what she did in verse 18. I have given my maid to my husband. It's so painful. It's a painful statement for Leah. It hurts us now to read such a thing. Rachel has never called Jacob my husband. Never you'll find that in the Bible. She never calls Jacob my husband. But Leah is the first one in the Bible to call her spouse my husband. And look how many times she does it. In Genesis 29, 32, 
therefore will my husband will love me. In Genesis 29:34, now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Genesis 30, verse 15, thou hast, the one we're talking about, thou hast taken my husband. And in Genesis 30, verse 18, I have given my maiden to my husband. And then verse 20, now will my husband dwell with me. Over and over and over again, she is intensely calling Jacob my husband. She's jealous. She's intensely jealous over Jacob. Whenever a woman calls a man my husband, that's a statement of strong ownership when she says my husband. When a woman says, when a wife says my husband, she's staked out her property and she's saying no woman better come within the property of my husband. When a woman says my husband, it's like she's driven a stake in the ground that says this man is my property, no trespassing, warning, any woman seen on my property will be shot. (laughs) So Leah now, she's got a real problem. She's holding a hot potato. Because when Leah says in verse 18, I had given my maiden to my husband, we can just feel this intense pain that Leah feels over what she did. And now Leah's struggling over what she's now going to say about having given her maid to her husband. She's in soul pain. Leah is in soul pain over having given her maid to her husband. So what should Leah say? Leah, own up to it. Say, I was wrong, I sinned, I repent in dust and ashes. And when we see Leah in this intense state of soul pain because of her sin, we see her at that at a crossroads. Either Leah is going to confess that she has sinned in humility, and she'll have to eat a lot of humble pie on this one, and there'll be a sister feeding it to her. In humility, ask for forgiveness for her sins. So we see in this state of Leah's soul pain, she's at a crossroads at what to do. It's also typical. It's also typical of everyone whose own sin has led them into a state of soul pain. And like Leah, he struggles which road he's going to go down. Should he go down this road of agreeing with the Scriptures that say in Proverbs 8.36, he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that love me, all they that hate me love death. See, looking at Leah now, when she gave her maid to her husband and she wronged her own soul, we see every person who in their lifetime when they've sinned wronged their own soul. We see ourselves. So you're looking at Leah now who felt her own condemnation because she realized that her choice to give her mate to her husband was wrong because she's suffering consequences from it. We see every person who in their lifetime feels condemnation that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about in John 3, 19 through 20 when he said, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. 
friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have a heart for Israel and lost Jewish people in America? Then come work in Southern California as a full-time or volunteer missionary working with Tom Cantor in Israel Restoration Ministries, reaching lost Jewish people with their Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Hourly wage, 401k, health insurance, company car, and phone, and other amazing benefits. Call us, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, israelrestoration.org.